Um, all right. Welcome in to episode, I forgot already. Was it 22, 23? It's one of those two. <laughs> one of those two. Uh, this is our fourth attempt at trying to record this. So really hope that this one goes through. We have had some internet issues. We even took a weekend hiatus because it was starting to blur together for me. And <laughs> I didn't remember what I was saying. And so uh, we're coming at it fresh. I've already forgotten everything I said. So uh, oh, same. a fresh... Uh, fresh take on what it is we're doing um uh, the fit parent podcast uh i still have to change the i'm actually gonna say that i'm blaming your husband and i'm waiting on your husband even Do though it. it's not uh I but I'm, waiting, I'm waiting i'm waiting for the new uh graphic stuff to come in that i want to do before we like i don't want to do one step and then another but it, it is a fit parent podcast even if the name on the thing is not that yet currently <laughs> as as of this recording uh, hopefully it'll be there soon. Um, hey, today we are talking uh, part five of our series on the building blocks of fat loss. Um, if you have not listened to parts one through four, you should do that because they are parts one through four for a reason. They are in the hierarchy of fat loss. They take uh, a little bit of precedence over this. However, all of these things make up the Sunday that is fat loss. Um, but we have gotten from, you know, the ice cream and, and all of those components. And now we're getting to things like whipped cream and, and things on the top that are part of it, but certainly are not. This is a terrible analogy, but you know what I mean. Um, should not be talking about ice cream sundays. No. <laughs> that was a, that was, well, I mean, balance and, and I'll never eat ice cream again either. So that's, that's never ever. But I don't even think I'll eat ice cream again after listening to you yes. talk about it. Well, I will talk about the ice cream uh, debacle during this because that was part of it. Um, thing that I want to talk about. But uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, walking or more generally NEAT, which stands for non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Basically, all the movement you do that is not explicitly exercise. But this is number five running through the order again of what it is that we're doing. The hierarchy of fat loss, number one is calorie deficit. Number two is protein. Number three is fiber. Number four is sleep. Now we're on to walking part five. Number six is strength training. Number seven is cardio. Now, again, that's not to say that anything in here is unimportant, but if you were prioritizing, that is what we have going on. This is the first of this series you will notice that has anything to do with moving your body. And typically, when somebody starts a fat loss journey, one of the first things that they start focusing on is moving their body more, going to work out, go to the gym, you buy some new workout equipment, whatever it is. And that's a great thing to do, um, particularly from a mindset aspect of things, like there's something satisfying about Hey, I did a workout. I, I went for a walk. You feel like I, I did something to check the box. It's a little bit harder to get yourself up for like, I hit my calorie deficit today. Like mm -hmm. that's just from a motivational standpoint. It's yeah. So I'm not saying don't do this. Um, but if you're thinking about how do you get yourself uh, the most results, they are going to come in this order. But the things that we do are going to be the things that kind of drive those other things. And so oftentimes I start with clients on the movement side of things because it is a little bit lower barrier to entry. Like you can just like anybody can, all right, I'm going to go do a workout. I'm going to go do a walk, right? Like that's a little bit easier to do versus be like hit this calorie target. That sometimes can be challenging, especially when you're first getting started. So 
I'm not saying not to do these or even not to do these first, but I am saying that the old adage of you can't out train a bad diet is absolutely true. Um, and so there's only so much that numbers five, six, and seven will do for you if you don't get numbers one through four correct. So today we dive into walking or non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So we're going to do this same kind of structure that we've been doing for all of these, which I really like, which is why is this where it is in the hierarchy and why is it important? Number two, what are some targets that we should be looking for? What's a good gauge? And then how do we practically go about getting this done? And that's kind of how we've gone through this. And so that's where we're going to start. I'm going to start with an analogy slash a story. And this is now, Love your I, think this is, I think this is now the third time you've heard the same story. So we'll see if I can tell it as well. But remember, I have mom brain. It's like a soup. <laughs> I don't remember your story. So I'm sure it was very entertaining the first two times I heard it. It's not so entertaining this time. It's going to be great. Well, maybe I'll feel a little bit less self-conscious because Megan is not in the house as I'm telling this story. And so <laughs> that was a little bit part of it as well as like I have to sound the right way because let's just be honest. She doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, she's listened to one or two, but I don't think she's listened to a lot. It's okay. Them. John hasn't listened to any of them either. Well, <laughs> I'm like, your wife is like getting so famous. So yeah, like in Australia and the UK in particular, exactly. yes, if you're in the Australia and in the UK and you're listening to this, cause apparently that's where we're getting a lot of traction, <laughs> send me a message. I would love to know who you are and how you came by the podcast, but we uh, appreciate it. I'm glad that you're here. I have a lot of connections of for surprisingly a lot of connections for people in the UK and Australia. Um, oh, I, I spent some time in the UK this I, summer and I did not want to come home because I was like, this place, I'm supposed to live here. They get my humor. I like the mm -hmm. food better. <laughs> like, why am I going home? Why am I going back to the United States? <laughs> I'm thoroughly convinced. And actually, my one of my good friends and kind of a mentor figure in the industry, Andrew Coates, posted this uh, today on his stories. He said something along the lines of how to go viral on Instagram, have a British or an Australian accent make 100%. videos and be sassy with a little bit of like rude humor and you'll, and you'll pop off. And he like showed like seven or eight people. And I'm like, yeah, that's a hundred percent true. <laughs> Cause you can Absolutely. get away with rude humor with a British accent or an Australian accent. And it doesn't sound as rude. It doesn't sound, I have rude humor and people just think I'm rude. I'm like, I'm really not. I'm actually no. quite a nice person. I just have a twisted sense of humor. I belong in yeah, London okay. or, or like send me over there. <laughs> I can't do Australia though. Cause you know, snakes and snakes are the worst animal on the planet. Yeah, like, they just like, are like, Oh yeah, there's just a Python in my living room. And I'm spiders that are this big. Nah, yeah, I'm good. Big pass. I'm good. Um, so story time. We, uh, so my wife and I got married. We, uh, one of the first things that I think you do when you get married is one of the big contention points in marriage is, is how do you handle money? Right. That's just a big thing. Right. Big thing in life. And, and how do you figure out how you're going to join this together? So when my wife and I first got married, our main goal was for the first year to figure out, all right, how do we kind of two become one in marriage in in our finances? How do we kind of figure this out together, learn each other's financial language, et cetera? So that was kind of year one. Year two, uh, my wife came into it with uh, some student loans. I was fortunate enough to kind of pay my way through college with some scholarships and, and working and things like that. Um, and 
I had kind of paid my debt off. Um, so she had some student loans and it was, it was about 50 K of student loans, just full disclosure, about 50 K of student loans. And we decided that we were going to pay off our student loans. That was like our, our financial objective, whether I don't want to hear whether or not we should have, right? Like if you're of the opinion that some debt is fine and, and, you know, interest rates, we could have gotten more and, I don't want to hear it. Like we just decided that's what we wanted to do. Now, in hindsight, you and I talked about this in hindsight. If we had not done that and maybe snuck into a house in 2017, all of a sudden that house would probably be worth enough that we could refinance and just pay off the student loans. But yeah. hindsight's 2020. <laughs> hindsight's 2020. And, and I don't know if we would have been able to afford the house that we have if we had student loans. And so I'll say that we did that. And I don't yeah. regret our decisions, but there's a little bit of, uh, <laughs> it might have been a little different had we done that. But, you know, who, who could I have actually bought my first. I bought my first house before I went to grad school. And I had paid off my bachelor's student loans, bought a house, then decided to go to grad school. So I had massive mortgage and grad school debt. So I'm like, move. so also not the right way to do it. So <laughs> yeah. I, I feel fine with where we're at, but it was, you know, we left, I think we left a little bit on the table, but from a, from a freedom and, and not being wicked stressed out perspective, um, yeah. that was our decision. So we decided that we were going to pay off debt and my wife and I were both teachers. We were both somewhat early in our teaching careers at school districts that, that did not pay exceptionally well. And in New Hampshire, yeah. where we live, there's a fairly large discrepancy between the the high end school districts and the low end school districts. And we were, we were on the low end of the middle, I would say both of our school districts. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and we were fairly early in our teaching career. And so like to put it in perspective right now, my wife is now 10 years in, in a better district. She's making more than double what she was making when we first started. So like, mm -hmm. this is not an inconsequential difference. And, and so it was two, two 25 year olds, trying to pay off $50,000 of student loans with two teacher salaries. And so we looked at our budget and we said, all right, what can we kind of pare down to? Now there were certain things that were fixed, right? We had to have rent and, and you know, there's groceries and gas and some of these things. We tried to cut our discretionary spending down, but we also didn't want to like not be able to do anything fun ever because this was going to take more than like two months, right? Like $50,000 is going to take a chunk of time. And so we needed to like not be so strapped that we would give up on it because our life was miserable. So we had to kind of find that, that thread of like, we're, we're being, you know, tight with this, but not so tight that we never allow ourselves out. But we didn't really go on vacations and, we were pretty light, but like we let ourselves go out to dinner once a week or, or oh, I'm sorry, not once a week, like once a month. And, um, and we, it, but we weren't buying a lot of new clothes or, or stuff. Mm -hmm. Like we just, we just kind of were pretty tight with that stuff, but there was a limit to how much we could cut. So there was the amount that we were spending on our budget. We got that down about as low as we could, we could tolerate for a long enough term. And then there was what we made. And basically the difference between what we made and what we were spending, that's what we would put toward our debt. And we were just throwing everything we could at. And uh, at that rate, it would have taken us probably 10 years to, to pay off our debt at that rate. And we were like, well, 
we don't really want to live like this for 10 years, but we mm -hmm. can't really cut much more out of this. But there's two sides to a budgetary <laughs> equation. That's how much you spend and there's how much you earn. And there is a limit to how much you can cut. Um, now, we, we could have technically maybe cut a little bit more, but not a, not a lot more, right? We're, we're talking about a few hundred dollars and, and you know, and, and at some point we're just like, okay, we're just, we're not going to cut anymore. But there was not a ton of limit to how much we could earn because we were, again, we were mid twenties and we had jobs that had, you know, afforded us some hours, summers and evenings and things like that, where we could potentially do some additional work. And so there was a point in time where between the two of us, we had seven jobs, including our two teaching jobs. Like my wife was waitressing and she was doing her photography and I was training and doing photo booths and doing construction and, and a lot of different moving parts for us. But through doing that, we were able to bring in more cash and we just put all of that to our student loans. And we were able to pay off our $50,000 of student loans in about 18 months, which was That's very impressive, sir. I felt really good about it. Like, honestly, I was really mm -hmm. proud of it. And, and it wasn't a long term thing. We knew that it was like, okay, we're going to work really, really hard. And then once we did it, then we pared back on some of these things because it was hard to do that. But we, we did it in the short term because we had this goal in mind. And then we kind of rolled into the next goal and the next goal. But the reason why I share this, and this is all coming back to this, is that the first priority when it comes to fat loss is that calorie deficit. And the, mm -hmm. the simplest way that we do this oftentimes is through our nutrition. Our nutrition and how much we eat in our day is the equivalent of how much we're, we're spending on that budget, right? It's how much we're, we're putting in. It's calories in, calories out. There's two sides to that equation, though. And there is a limit to how much food or how low we can bring our calories in order to get into that deficit, in order to be able to stick with it long enough to have results. Not to mention going beyond that to the point of like, all right, we need to have a certain amount of calories to like function as an adult. Right, to exist as a human. Um, most people don't flirt with that level. Um, but a lot of people get so low that they're like, this is, I'm hung, like I'm miserable and I'm hungry all the time and I have no yeah. energy and, and they can't stick with it long enough to see the results because they might be able to do it for two weeks or three weeks, but oftentimes fat loss takes a few months, um, depending on how much you have to live. It might be longer than that, but you need to be able to stick with it long enough to see some of those results. And so there's a limit to how much I can cut, but there's the other side of the equation, which is how many calories that I burn, and you can increase the calories that you burn. And that's what most people call the metabolism. And there's a few different components to that. But the biggest one that you can control, and that's what we're going to get into over the course of the next three. The biggest one that you have the most control over is this category called NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. It's the calories that you burn, not through explicit exercise. And that does oftentimes include walking, along you're not doing like Olympic power walking, you know, like just kind of a leisurely walk, but you know, measure it in steps. It's the easiest way to do it. But even me sitting here, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see it, but I talk with my hands all the time. That's non-exercise activity, right? That's, it's opening the car door. It's putting the groceries in and out of the thing. Any of that activity, the more we're moving throughout the day, 
the more calories we're going to burn. Everybody wonders, like, how do kids, like, eat just, like, junk food all the time and, and not put on a ton of weight? Well, kids are freaking active. Like, they just don't stop moving. Like, my son would well, – my all my kids would just – they'll just, like – I'll just sit on the floor sometimes and they'll just do shuttle runs mm-hmm. back and forth across our house. Or just do laps around our house in the inside. And they'll just do it for 30 minutes with yeah. no hesitation. They're just, they're all about it. And so they're just burning a lot of calories. Like everybody's like, oh man, I was in such great shape when I was playing high school soccer. And it's like, well, when you played high school well, soccer, you ran like seven miles a day. Right. And that was every day. It wasn't the pickup soccer we do now that we're in our 40s or 30s. One day a week, two days a week. Right. Like, no, it like you did day. it you every day. day. And yeah, so it didn't matter that you ate Pop-Tarts for breakfast because you were going to go oh. run nine miles. Oh, I love Pop-Tarts. Uh, Pop-Tarts are not good. Toaster strudel. No, they're not. Well, you didn't have my mother preparing them. She would toast non-frosted because that's just gross. The plain strawberry, and then she'd put butter on top. And when it was hot, it would melt. This is why all of us struggled with <laughs> with weight when we were have little. You heard, we have you heard of Brian mom. Regan? No, Brian Re- he's a comedian. He has a whole bit about Pop Tarts. <laughs> he's like, how are there the the different instructions on Pop Tarts? Like, how are the toaster instructions for Pop Tarts more than one step? Like, step yeah. one, oh. toast the Pop Tart. Go ahead, <laughs> toast them. <laughs> like, are you still reading this? It's like. <laughs> Or the microwave instructions for Pop Tarts. Microwave on high for three seconds. He's like, man, if you're if you're awake and eating in Holland in three seconds, you got to loosen up your schedule a little bit. Like that's Is how quick. Microwave? You got to zap fry your Pop Tarts before you walk out. I guess you can for three seconds because any more than that's going to be too much. Okay. The Chewy Chips Ahoy, the ones that are in the red package, you microwave those for 10 seconds and they're like fresh baked, like squishy cookies. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No. No. Anyway, I don't do I that don't. anymore because mm. I bake better ones myself. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not as good. Um, oh, anyway, good. pro tip, look up the Brian Regan uh, Pop-Tart. Just YouTube Brian, Brian Regan Pop-Tart. Regan, R-E-G-A-N. See, most good. of my notes are about protein, but like I'm gonna yeah, write Brian, Brian Regan. Regan. <laughs> Brian Regan. Um, yes. So uh, I don't remember how we got on that conversation. Pop tarts. Uh, kids yeah. can eat whatever because they're oh, always yeah, kids moving. can eat whatever because they were moving a lot. So now, when we come back to all right, what is what is why is this what we're trying to do? If we are moving more, and the the lowest barrier to entry thing is oftentimes walking, then we're going to burn more calories. So simple example, let's just say that maintenance calories for me is about 2000 calories. So I could try to aim for 1500 calories in a day. And that would be a 500 calorie deficit, which is about a pound Mm -hmm. a week. Okay. Now, if I'm able to burn an additional couple hundred calories through my movement, now I'm up to 2200 calories. So I can either keep my 1500 and now have a 700 calorie difference, which would increase my rate of fat loss, or I could eat more calories up to 1700 and keep my 500 calorie deficit. So I have more room to enjoy myself, but still make the same amount of progress. Mm -hmm. I tend to choose the latter, right? Because 
it's again thinking about longevity how much can i eat but still stay in my deficit that's kind of the mindset but if you're in a position where you're like i have to expedite this process then you can increase the calories and keep your your calories that you're eating about the same and again if you're unsure what that looks like go back and listen to the calorie deficit episode um whatever one that was five ago four ago yeah so i'm looking back at my notes yes it was there are additional benefits to walking, all right? But I'm going to talk about walking in general and why I like it. Um, almost more than why, why it falls in the place ahead of cardio or strength training in the fat loss equation, okay? Because you are going to burn calories with your workouts and you are going to bur- burn calories doing cardio. So why mm-hmm. is walking higher up there? Like when you'd be like, oh, I'll, I could burn calories walking or I could burn calories running. And I'm going to... You will technically burn more calories if you run the same amount of time than if you walk that amount of time because you're working harder. Mm-hmm. That's just the that's the case. That's now, that amount, though, is fairly negligible. Unless you're doing like a, a serious, serious distance, um, it's not a lot. But, you know, even if you did an hour, right, you did an hour run versus an hour walk, the calories that you burn running might be, you know, it depends on the person, right? So, but it, we're talking about 50. 70 calories. Okay. This is not a whole host difference. However, there are potential hurdles to the running side of things that are not as present with the walking side of things. What do I mean? One, I could stand up from this chair and go walk. Actually, if you're sitting and listening to this, stand up and walk right now. Like if, like seriously, I'll wait. Like stand up and walk around. Like just pace around your living room. If you're like, you can do it in the clothes that you're wearing. You don't even need to put shoes on in your house. You can just walk around your house. It doesn't matter what the weather is, right? You're not gonna run laps for an hour around your living room. <laughs> Very you, tiny laps. You can. Like I do it. I oftentimes do it chasing my son around, but it's more of a power walk because he thinks he's fast, but he's yeah. You know, I can beat him in a race still. Like ah, I'm faster. I'll challenge him to a race next time I see him, and I will win. He he is uh, he's getting faster though. There are definitely some times where I'm like, you're you're quick, you're a quick little bugger. My um, legs are longer than he is tall. I think I'll win. This is true. I'm not saying you're not, but he might want it more. <laughs> he's he's got some competitive. He's got his he's got his mother's competitive nature. <laughs> um. We went bowling <laughs> yesterday for my mom's birthday. And Megan, I love her. She was not all that great um, at bowling. Bowling and, is hard. And uh, she was very frustrated by the fact that she was not doing very well. Her, it was her competitive nature came out very, very quickly. Did you put the bumpers up? No, we're a bunch of adults. We're not going to put the bumpers up. Why not? <laughs> you have a better shot of because my temptation it. when I have the bumpers up is like, how many times can I bank this <laughs> off the bumpers? Like I play it like pinball, <laughs> and yeah. it's not a safe game. Did At you least when I candle don't. Pin? Candle pin is very regional. Yeah. Well, well, I grew up in Atlanta, so I didn't play candle pin until I came up here, and I was like, this is a terrible, poor man's version of bowling. Like it's not fun because you can't get a strike with candle pin. It's like so hard. Mm. It's very, very challenging. I think we've, I've done it a few times, but it's not nearly as often because you have to like more mathematical. You have to aim for very specific points. Yeah. I want to throw it like a shot. 
I want to like throw it. I don't want to roll it. I didn't realize how regional Candlepin was until I moved to Colorado and we went bowling and I was like, why are these balls are huge. (laughs) What am I supposed to do with this thing? Uh, All right, coming back. Wow, we get so off topic and I love it. (laughs) So we... Uh, so you can get up and walk right now, right? There's, there's, it's much lower barrier to entry. You can walk for five minutes. You're not often going to go for a five-minute run, right? It's, right? it's lower barrier to entry to go walk. It's oftentimes easier on the joints. Now, there is you know, low-impact cardio, elliptical and bike and things like that. I'm, again, I'm not saying cardio is wrong, but in terms of just strictly trying to get more calories out, Mm-hmm. It's much lower barrier to entry to do um, to do walking. Second thing is, and you can do it more frequently, right? You don't yeah. often like, all right, some people run every day, but it's, it's a little bit more of a thing. I got to get myself up to go for a run, right? It's a thing right. to go for a run. It's not as much of a thing to go for a walk. This is a little bit more anecdotal, Um this is what's one of my favorite words. And I don't know if it's like commonly known, but I just, it's a little bit story related and and observational from a lot of people I talk to, but it's also my experience. There are two sides again to the calorie equation. There's calories in and there's calories out. If I go for a run and I come back, I still need to keep my same calorie deficit in terms of nutrition, which can at times be harder one from a mentality perspective and two from a physiological perspective. I go for an hour long run. I come back. I'm probably going to be somewhat hungry. Yeah. That might not be the case with just an hour long casual walk. Right. It's you don't get that same hunger spike. And then the other side of it is, and this is totally observational. We oftentimes can get into the, I earned it mentality. Yep. I knew that's where you were going. When it comes to that activity piece of it mm-hmm. like oh i went for a run today i can have this donut yeah whether or not we intend to or not that can sometimes get into our brain that oftentimes doesn't happen with a walk but again there's nothing wrong with having the donut there's nothing wrong with getting hungry or and there's nothing wrong with going for a run but understand that if we're going to burn 300 calories versus 350 calories but i'm not going to have as hard of a time eating my same amount, it's worth doing a little bit less calories that you're going to burn yeah. when you're not going to eat it back, right? Like you, it's a little bit easier to eat it back even over the course of the day mm-hmm. that you're a little bit hungry. When I was, little story, when Megan and I were uh, first dating back when we were like 20, uh, 21, she wanted to run a marathon and I wanted to Great. date her. Um, so, <laughs> so I agreed to train for a marathon with her. I was like, this is going to be great. We'll go, we'll have a lot of time together. And, and I have, I don't like running. I've never liked mm-hmm. running, but I was like, we'll go do this thing. And when you train for a marathon, you off, you have like one day a week, which is your long run. And you kind of push this envelope. So by the end of the training, you're doing like 18, 20 mile runs and mm-hmm. they take like three and a half hours. Like we ran. Yeah, it's a- major time commitment we started doing like one-way runs because i couldn't mentally do a loop because it was like every step i took i was like i have to run this back so we did one-way things we ran from her parents house in exeter 
to our friend's house in North Dover. It was a, it's like a 45 minute drive and we ran it. It was just terrible. And we were doing this in the summer too. So we had to like wake up at 5 a.m. to to go run so that we weren't running in 95 degree heat. So who liked you enough to bring you back home? Our friends. Like who? Well, again, you're, we're 22, yeah. right? We're 22 and we have friends who like, you know, this is what you do when you're 22. Like you move people in for pizza and you do things for your friends that you'll yeah, never do again true. in your adulthood. Oh, but, God, like, but we showed up at like they were just waking up. They were like, oh, yeah, and we'll come back and we'll have breakfast. But like I would do that. This, this is dumb. Again, I'm not saying that, but like 22, right? So I do that run. And then on Saturdays, I also would lift with her dad. Um, so I would lift weights with her dad and then I sometimes would play tennis for a couple hours with a buddy of mine, right? I got into the play. So now to be fair, I probably could have eaten anything I wanted to cause I was also 22 and yeah. but like with that amount of activity, I could eat anything I wanted to, but I was, I had that mentality of like, I can literally eat anything right now yep. and, and, and I, I kind of had to now that's an extreme variation on it, but we can get into that. Like, Oh, I, I've earned this food. And one, want to make sure that I'm abundantly clear. You do not have to earn food ever, right? And you do not have to burn off food ever, right? That is not the purpose of exercise. Um, However, we can, because it's oftentimes ingrained into our brain from years and years and years of diet culture and hearing this sort of thing. And it's still perpetuated by dumb people on the internet. Like we just had Halloween and you get the people up there like, I'm going to do burpees until I burn off this Snickers bar. And you're like... I'm going to enjoy my mini Snickers bar and watch you do the burpees. I'm not joining you. Yeah. I'm like, I hope that you like accidentally fall on your face and there's Lego. <laughs> I hate it. burpees. I hate burpees so burpees much. Burpees are the worst exercise ever. Oh, they're, they're, I'll do them. No. You know, I'll do anything that <laughs> she's going to listen to this. I'll do anything that Meg Murphy tells me to do in, <laughs> in the gym. <laughs> but I hate, hate burpees. I, I often, I, uh, I, I have never, never been a big, never been a big burpee person. I'm, I find other things that I like to do, mm-hmm. like the clients to do. Um, but some people can do them. Most people yeah. look like a fish flopping on deck. Correct. Fall down to the floor. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I have, I just have a hard time watching people do burpees where I'm like, oh gosh, you're going to just hurt yourself. Aren't you? Like, yeah. I just well, can't. That's one of the reasons I don't like them is I'm like, I know the first, let's, let's be honest here. I think the first three or four look okay. Yeah. And then after that, my form is terrible. I'm like, I'm going to pull a muscle because I do burpees for three or four. You do burpees for time or you do burpees for like 50. And so by the fifth one, they start to look like trash and you're like, "Eh, that's about enough of that. Like I pulled my back out, putting my seatbelt on. So there's like, there's an entire possibility (laughs) that I'm going to pull my back out doing a burpee. My my pull yeah. my back out stories. No, my, I I can't I can't laugh too hard because I pull I pulled my back out lifting the toilet lid once, <laughs> and sleeping in the wrong bed, like sleep sleeping in a hotel bed that's not your bed. That was a rough. That was a rough go. That was that was a, that was a bad look. That was like <laughs> we do a staycation like, oh, and I throw my back out for three weeks. Like <laughs> it wasn't even doing anything. <laughs> we were just sleeping. Just sleeping in the hotel bed was enough to. Oh that. It was fun listening to that when we got back to the gym because we're all like, are you okay? Like, you look really rough. He's like, oh, man, 
I really <laughs> tweaked my back. And all of us were assuming he lifted some crazy amount of weight. And he was like, no, I just, you know, Megan and I went to a hotel and just, it wasn't my bed and I hurt my back. <laughs> that's yeah, all it took. That's... was sleeping in a different bed. I can lift mm-hmm. all the weight in the world, but sleeping in the bed, man. I've said mm-hmm. that it was one of my favorite posts I think I've ever did. I said I've reached the age where most of my, the majority of my injuries come from sleeping. Yep. Like I wake it's... up in the morning, I'm like, son of a gun, man. Like it's not from doing anything cool. It's like I just slept on my arm weird and I'm like going to have shoulder pain <laughs> for like a month. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. But we're very good at staying on task today. We're on it. We're on it. We're doing Are we? We're on it. I mean, we're talking. We're talking. <laughs> we're talking. That's valuable. We're um, so that is another kind of potential uh, reason why walking over explicit cardio when it comes to fat loss. Um, the third one is you can do it every day. Again, it's a little bit harder to do the, the cardio piece every day. All right, I got specific shoes and, and whatever. But there's also mm-hmm. like there are – non-physiological benefits to walking, particularly on the psychological side of things that Mm -hmm. are maybe not as present on the, the cardio side of things. They can be for some people, but most people, normal people don't like running. Correct. It takes a, um, and that's not a bash if you like running, right? Like if you like running by all. all means, there was a period of time, a brief period of time in my life while I was training, and it might have been because I was running with a really hot girl who is not my wife, but there was a very brief time in my life which I enjoyed running, and I no longer do. So you can, but the vast majority of people don't particularly enjoy running or cardio. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it, right? We have to do things that we don't necessarily like to do. But from a psychological standpoint, there is a huge stress management component to going for a walk, particularly outside being in nature, right? Vitamin D, you put in a podcast, you kind of get yourself into a little bit of a decompress perspective and you just kind of let your brain go. There are so many studies and I'm not going to bore people with the benefits of it, but from a psychological perspective, the stress management side of things. And again, we're going to get into, there will be, this is a seven part series. We might extend it to, I don't know if I'll call it the same series. It'll be like series 2.0 the three things that are big components to fat loss that are not explicitly in the building blocks, but make it easier. And one of those is stress management, Mm -hmm. meaning that similar to sleep, if you are stressed, it's a lot harder to stay in a calorie deficit and get yourself up to go work out and and do all the things that we want to do. Stress eating is a real thing. And so Mm -hmm. the idea that I can manage my stress that's going to be a big component to sticking with this long term because it allows not necessarily one, you're not going to see some of the weight fluctuations that you see within stress management, right? High stress leads to high cortisol. So you see a spike in water weight, which can mm-hmm. be discouraging. Whether or not it actually is real weight, it can still be discouraging to see the spike on the scale. So that's part of it, but also just the ability to stick with it. So if you can be outside, managing your stress, getting in, out of your head oftentimes and into something else that can be a huge, huge benefit um, to that as well. I love taking long walks. Years ago, I started running because I just, I wanted to, I had friends that were doing it. They seemed to like it. 
I've talked to them. I had talked to them since then, and they're like, "No, we actually hate running. It's just yeah. that it's it's quick. I can I can go for a half an hour run, mm-hmm. and like they would run from school when we were teachers, or they were you know run in the morning before going to school. They're like, it's something that I can do. It's quick, and it just gets me moving. Yeah. Um, so I ran for a little bit. I really did enjoy it somewhat, but once um, I messed my knee up, and my my physical therapist said, "Please, like, really don't run anymore. It's just not good for you." Like. Mm-hmm. For my particular situation, it's not good for my knee. Mm-hmm. So I moved to walking. And it is such a beautiful experience. I've never had a bad walk. I've had bad runs. I've never in my life had a bad walk. They're just they're just so great. It can be such a mood lifter. Like the yeah. I, I posted it the other day. I don't remember when it was. It was it was I think it was last weekend, so not this past weekend, it was the weekend before. Um I just been on a stretch all day. Because Megan's still on the heels of her busiest season, and so she's doing a lot of yeah. editing, and, and she's out and about doing different things. And, and so I'm home a lot with the three kids. And when I have the three kids, it's it's tricky right now to get out and about and do things. And I really – we need to invest in a stroller that or something that I can push all three of them in. But they're like $800. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's like, all right, do we – you know, but I, I think we need to, like – bite the bullet and make all right this might be our christmas gift to ourselves is that mm-hmm. we're going to do this um but it's tough to go anywhere it's tough to do anything because it's one on three and, and one of them's going to get anywhere and so I, I i don't have the same flexibility to go do things and so when i have all three of them i'm kind of confined to the house and it's you know it's three and a half year old and twin two-year-olds like you can imagine the chaos and and the high stress environment that that is just naturally regardless of what i'm doing and megan came home and and i was just like hey i i could use like 10 to 15 minutes to just get out of the house yeah. and she was like yeah go for it and so i just i went i just did a little quick 10 minute walk 15 minute walk outside it was a decent day out it was chilly but it was a decent day out put in a podcast and and came back in a much better mood like it it can it's sometimes that simple to lift your mood and and do mm-hmm. it there are also numerous um and again i don't want to bore you with the details but the the benefits of walking to your overall health is unbelievable unbelievable there is no this is a crazy number there is nothing nothing that has a higher correlation with longevity than walking not strength training, not cardio, not anything else. If you're walking, there's nothing that has a stronger correlation. Now, correlation is not causation, right? Correlation is not causation. So I'm not going to say that walking more will 100% cause you to live longer, but it's certainly an indicator. It's what people who live a long time, one of the things that they do. Yeah, um, it's all blue zone. So moving 100% for your overall health, for your stress management, but then also from a fat loss perspective. Now, what are we shooting for? There is the common number that is the 10,000 steps a day. I'm going to tell you something. Um, This was a marketing campaign in Japan in (laughs) the 60s because 10,000 looked like somebody walking or the word walking in Japanese. True story. So literally, it was a marketing campaign. So there's nothing magical about 10,000 steps. Is 10,000 steps a good goal? 100%. All right. Is it necessary? No. 
where's a good range? What I usually tell people is somewhere between seven and 10,000 steps is a good ballpark. Seven, 7,500 yeah. is a good ballpark for where you would want to be um, when it comes to your walking. No. Mm-hmm. That feels better just in the age of, there's a lot of, I think of my husband, his job is very sedentary. Yes. And he has a very hard time getting anywhere near 10,000 steps and it can be discouraging. So 100%. And we're going to talk about strategies for particularly sedentary jobs and how do we do this um, as we get later in the in the podcast. But the idea is, if we can set ourselves a threshold of like 7000, right, and and call this like a bare minimum idea, Mm -hmm. right, which is like, anything below that is is borderline. Now you're going to have days, right? Like yesterday, I had a very low movement day because I did not feel good. I like Mm-hmm. My body was achy. I had, had, I just did not feel great. And so I didn't move a lot yesterday. And now mm-hmm. I got probably 4,000 or something like that, just kind of being dad, but I didn't really move around. Now you're going to have oftentimes, even a low movement day, most people are going to get, you know, a few thousand steps, just kind of moving around. Right. But a fairly good gauge for timing is usually about 10 minutes of walking correlates to about a thousand steps. So think about what you're talking about here. Look at you. You can look back historically as, as to what you're getting and be like, all right, how do I, and I, that's the increments that I would go in. So as, as you're looking to increase your steps, right? If you're at 4,000 looking down the barrel of 10,000 is going to feel really daunting, right? That's a you're like, how do I fit an hour of walking in? Right? So again, don't, don't shoot for the moon here. Right. Just like if you're not working out at all, don't go for a six day a week workout plan. Like that's just unrealistic. You got to start where you Mm -hmm. are. So look for how do I get 500 or a thousand more steps in a day? Can I find 10 minutes? Right. That's a little bit low, lower barrier to entry again. And then you can build on that and you can start to find these things in the aggregate. But the question that I want to ask here is, is more necessarily better when it comes to steps? And this is an interesting conversation where I'm going to talk about the ice cream challenge. So if you uh, did not follow along with this, you can uh, check the highlight on my Instagram story. But I did an experiment to highlight the importance of walking, particularly when it comes to weight management. Uh, And I had this idea that I was like, all right, I want to do something extreme to prove a point. And so I said, I'm going to walk about 15, I said 12, but it was, it ended up being about 15,000 steps a day, every day, but I'm also going to eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream every day on top of my normal nutrition. So basically I did like a normal day. And then instead of my, one of my snacks, I inserted Ben and Jerry's ice cream. So call it an extra eight, 900 calories a day, something ridiculous, um, depending on the variation. And, uh, my, I, I went down, I went down on the scale, like two and a half pounds, but I thought that my initial day was a little bit, uh, inflamed. So, but it definitely down a half a pound from where I was to start. So, <laughs> but I only made it four days <laughs> because my stomach started to really, really hurt, uh, to the point where I went to the emergency room and I was like, am I dying here? Like, this is, 
this is really starting to hurt. Uh, not during those four days, but it was like a week later where my stomach still hurt. And I was like, I feel like there's a problem. And they were like, no, you're just an idiot. Um, that's so much lactose and so yeah. much sugar. And yeah. Uh, hindsight. That's something that's something you have to train for. It's like a marathon. <laughs> hindsight, hindsight. I would have, uh, so part of it was I, had not eaten a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream in I don't even know how long. Um, I've never eaten a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Yeah, it's a lot of ice cream. Those are dense. Those are like 1,000 to 1,200, 1,300 calories each. And a lot of dairy, obviously. And I've never had an issue with dairy, so I wasn't really concerned about it. The first day, I was fine. The second day, I was like, okay, this is, you know, not great. The third day, I was like, I'm also force-feeding myself this because I don't, like, the novelty had worn off. And the fourth day, I was like, this is really uncomfortable. Um, so do not recommend in hindsight, no. I could have done, uh, you know, it, it probably would have been fine if I had just done a different, you know, crazy thing every day. Like I'm going to do a pint of Ben and Jerry's every day or, you know, pint of Ben and Jerry's one day. I'll do a half a dozen donuts another day. Like I could have done that, but it was, it was simpler to just say like, I'm going to, you know, for lack of, you know, yeah. craziness. Oh, well, you could have done the very hungry caterpillar just late. Remember that one yeah, day? I did. Yeah, I did the. Uh, I I did that as a post too. I I had the book down here until like a minute ago. Um, yeah, that's a that's a rough day. So I will not do that again. Um, but the point of this was to show that walking certainly can, even with an extreme diet change, right, have an impact. Now. Mm-hmm. From a strictly fat loss perspective, yes, absolutely. Right, doing more can do it, uh, can can impact it. So if you have the time and you have the flexibility to get more steps in, for sure. From a lifestyle perspective and a longevity perspective, though, this is what we need to think about. What's the cost of doing more? And can I stick with it? Right, so if I'm gonna set a target for 12,000 steps or 15,000 steps, is more better on paper? Sure. But what's the cost of if I can get 8,000 steps to go to 15,000 steps is going to cost me an extra hour of walking. And so what are what are the trade-offs, right? There's there's always a cost to everything. And so if I'm going to go do this, it's not to say that it's bad, but if I'm going to go do this and go do it with consistency, that can be really challenging. There's a cost to that. And so we need to kind of weigh the cost with, with that. And also from a hunger perspective as well, because at some point there is diminishing returns. It's, it's probably around, you know, 13, 14, 15,000 steps. Like you can, you can see benefits up to that point. Uh, but mm-hmm. at some point it does start to become harder. Like you, you've had days like, all right, if you go, you know, people like I started this whole thing with the premise of like, you ever go to Disney world and then you come back and you weigh less than you weighed when you went to Disney world, but all you ate was Mickey mouse ice cream and churros. You're like, how is this possible? Well, it's because you were like the high school soccer girl. Again, you walked Mm -hmm. like nine miles a day, 30,000 steps because you're chasing your kids all around the park and you're pushing a stroller and you got another kid on your shoulders and you got a backpack on and you're lugging stuff around. It burned a gajillion calories. Now, can that be sustainable? That's that's sometimes challenging, and you're also probably hungry all the time. And so there is a, a, a threshold to this sort of thing. It's the same conversation on the flip side of the calories piece of it. 
could you get faster results eating 1200 calories? Yes. Of course. Is that too few calories for your body to function? It depends on the person, but you know, it's probably okay. Like you could do that. But the question is, can you do that long enough to see the results? Because again, 1200 calories versus 1500 calories in terms of the speed with which you're going to lose fat is not dramatically different, but from a, how you feel perspective can be dramatically different. That 300 calories Mm -hmm. can make a big difference in terms of me having some more food that I enjoy that, that allows me to stick with it longer. But the 300 calories, again, over the course of a week, 300 times seven, 2,100 calories, it's like a half a pound. So is it worth the extra half a pound a week? And maybe it is, but it depends on the scenario. The same conversation comes with, all right, if I walk an extra 4,000 steps, that might be worth a few hundred calories, but what's the trade-off for that? And so that's a conversation that everybody needs to have. But if you're living in that seven to 10,000 range, that seems to be both from a benefit standpoint and a sustainability standpoint, the sweet spot for most people. So, all right. I'm curious to see how I can help John get to that point. Well, this is how we're going to, this is the next piece we're going to talk about. So again, more, not necessarily better past a certain point. Now, the question is, how do we get more particularly when, so the, the simplest thing, and I would recommend, you know, if at all possible, find 10 minutes and get outside and walk every day. Like if your schedule is so tight that you can't find 10 minutes, might want to look at your time management a little bit. Um, <laughs> but that would be worth doing not just from the, all right, the, the walking side of things, but just from the stress management, get outside, vitamin D, overall health, like that would be worth trying to do. But the first thing I would say is first look at historically where you're at. If you're not sure how many steps you're doing one, almost everybody has some sort of device right now that tracks it. Your phone Mm -hmm. tracks it. That's what I use. I don't have a, a watch or a device that does it. Your phone tracks it. It's in the health app. If your phone's in your pocket, it's tracking your steps. Don't ask, like, are they perfectly accurate? No, but nothing is. Okay. But it's a general, like, it's it's at least accurate within itself. Mm-hmm. It's going to compare, like, like to like. And so if you're increasing your steps, it's going to, you're going to see the increase of movement across whatever it is. So look at what you're doing and set, like, a weekly target for, like, I'm going to try to raise this by 500 or a thousand calories in a week. Don't go more than a thousand calorie jump in a week. And, and because again, even if it's 500 calories, let's say that I'm or 500 steps, let's say I'm at 4,000, which is not uncommon, 3000. And I go, all right, every week I'm going to increase by 500 steps. I keep saying calories, 500 steps, right? We're, we're seven weeks from hitting 7,000, which is not that long of, a time and doing it 500 steps is five minutes of movement. And so the question is, how do we do this? So a couple things that I, I try to recommend what lowest, like if you have the ability to do this, I will say that people with a desk job, I don't have one, but I have clients who have it and it's fantastic. If you can get a walking pad with a standing desk, like 
walking pads are going to be cheaper than treadmills. It's like a couple hundred bucks. I'm not saying that that's not money, right? That is money. Um, but you can get it. They oftentimes just fold, slide right under your desk. You stand up and do it um, and do that sort of thing. So I will say that that is that is something that can make a big, big difference. If you don't have that, I don't have that. A couple of things that you can do. One, kind of create for yourself movement snacks throughout the day. What do I mean by that? Big meal is I'm going to go for a walk. And even if it's a 10-minute mm-hmm. walk, right, that can sometimes feel a little bit daunting. Two minutes, five minutes is palatable because you're oftentimes breaking up your day anyway. So there's there's the old product productivity adage of like you work for 50 minutes and then you take a break for 10 or 25 and five. That's actually how you're most productive versus trying to just power your way through is to give mm-hmm. your brain like I'm going to intentionally do this for 25 minutes and I'm going to take a five minute break. Side note, this is how I wrote a 39 page master's thesis in one sitting, by the way, was doing this. I went to the library for the fourth time in my collegiate career to get my master's degree. I was I had to write a 39 page thesis. I had the outline for it. I had the research all done. I was just like, I'm going to sit down. and I'm going to write this. I was there for nine hours and I wrote 39 pages using this methodology. I wrote for 25 minutes and I took five minutes off or I wrote for 50 minutes and I took 10 minutes off. And that during that 10 minutes, I didn't think about it. I got up from mm-hmm. my computer and I moved away. I didn't look at it. I like went, I watched a YouTube video. I did something. It was unrelated. If any Buddy has ever been a client of mine. You probably remember this. My calls are booked for 25 minutes, mm-hmm. not 30 minutes, 25 minutes. It gives me a little bit of buffer, right? I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm going to take a lap around my house, maybe two. That's not a lot, right? But if I get two minutes of walking in, so I oftentimes, on, particularly on Tuesdays and Thursdays, those are my busiest client call days. I'll sometimes have calls from 11 a.m. straight until 3 p.m., like four straight hours where I'm just on Zoom with a client every 25 minutes. And I'll do this a few times a week. But I can get, again, two minutes of walking in between each of those. So two minutes times four gap or times eight gaps is 16 minutes of walking. That's another 1,600 steps. If I push mm-hmm. it a little bit more, let's say I did the full five minutes, right? Five minutes. If I just walked for the whole time, five minutes times eight, that's now we're talking <clears throat> 20 minutes. No, 40 minutes. Jeez. Math. I should, I did go to school for a long time. You were a, a math yeah, I teacher, did. right? I did. I did. Yeah, we're not. I'm not okay. proud of it. Um, that was not a great moment. So, things to think about is: Can I get these movement snacks in? Just little things and build it into your schedule. Can I mm-hmm. do something called habit stacking, where you, if you have something that is currently a habit, something that you do regularly. Stack another habit that you're trying to increase along with that. So, for instance, brushing my teeth, right? If I'm going to brush, I brush my teeth every day. I brush it twice a day. If there's something else that I'm trying to do, let the brushing of the teeth be the trigger to do that other thing. I'm going to brush my teeth for two minutes. Do I need to, can I just stand there by the mirror and brush my teeth? Or could I like walk up and down the hallway for two minutes while I brush my teeth? Mm. You know what I mean? Like something that you're going to do every single day. Can I stack this habit? So that's for me. I end the call. I stand up and I move. If you're on the phone call where you don't have to be on a computer screen, put your headphones in and just walk. I'll like literally go outside Mm -hmm. 
like, and I'll walk around my house outside during that time. And I'll do a 20 minute call walking around outside my house. If you have the ability to get outside, right? Not everybody's in a safe space where you could do this. Right. So I understand that component to it, but those types of little things, bookending your day, right? So if you think about your work day, right, if I can do five minutes or 10 minutes on the beginning and end of my workday or the beginning and end of lunch, something like that, right? Things that you're going to mm-hmm. consistently have, like, can I buy for myself five minutes on either side to go and do this? It's worth, it's worth doing because again, you're going to be more productive even during your time. If you're giving yourself these intentional breaks, because you're going to have that space, but it's again, can I do five minutes? Five minutes is 500 steps. So try one, right? Don't try to do them all at once. Be like, all right, today I'm going to do a five minute walk at the beginning of my lunch break, right? That's what I'm going to try this week. I like that you call it a movement snack because I'm sure anyone who's listening can understand the, when you're working, no one has a problem getting up and walking into the kitchen, opening the pantry, getting an actual snack, and then going and sitting down back at your workstation and eating it there. So, if, like, just kind of like shift what a snack is for you. Like, do you need that snack, or is it just a habit? Like, you're yeah, that's part of the habit thing you're talking Love about. That. So, tap that on. So, eat your snack while you while you walk instead of going back and sitting down again. And just little things I like. like- that. Yeah, just it's the little things that add up, right? So this is that idea of like, now, can you go for explicit walks? Absolutely. Like one of the th- best yeah. things, one of the best things that, that Megan and I have been doing this year that I've we've really tried to do is that she has, and I said to her before the beginning of the year, I was like, I want to find a time, one for you and I to connect without the children. Because it was like, she would come home from work and then we would go get the kids and then the kids would be here and and. If you've ever, if you, I could video my house from 3 p.m. until 7 p.m. We cannot have a conversation. We just cannot, like, for more than two minutes about anything of consequence. And then by the time, then we do bedtime and then they're, and then we're exhausted and we got to clean the house and whatever. So, like, we would sometimes go, like, days and we're like, we haven't talked about this. And so I was like, we need to have a time to connect during the day, even if it's for a little bit. And so now I have the flexibility where it's like she and now it's very convenient, but like she works about a mile and a half for me and it works out kind of scheduling wise for four out of the five days. I pop over there right when her break starts for teaching and she has, you know, maybe 20 minutes or something like that. And she'll just pop outside and we'll do like a little quick 10 minute walk together outside and just have, be able to have a conversation together or sometimes when we're like we cannot handle these children anymore we'll put them in the car you know in the strollers and they'll to some degree be quieter and we go outside and we walk and, and it can be a great way to connect but the other thing that you can do is this is a great way particularly for parents which are you know i think a lot of the people who listen to this right like this is like just active parenting okay so mm-hmm. my kids are playing outside. I can sit and I can watch them play outside and there's nothing wrong with that. Or I can stand and watch them play outside because what's naturally going to happen is I'm going to move around. 
I'm going to move around. And this is just like, if we're outside for 30 minutes, I'm not pacing for 30 minutes. I'm just kind of like active parenting for 30 minutes. And I might get, you know, another 1,000, 1,500 steps just by being active with them. One of my son's favorite things, and I mentioned it earlier in the day, one of his favorite things to do, all my kids now, is, is Daddy Chase. It's one of the things when we when we were looking for our house, because my son, when we bought our house, he was 18 months old. We're coming up on two years. Actually, we just passed two years that we've had our house. But when we're looking for our house, like, where do we Thank you. Um, the twins are going to be two on Sunday, by the way, which makes my head want to explode. Oh, that's nuts. Yeah. Makes that's me nuts. Yeah. But when we bought our house, you can see behind me, right? This is the staircase. On the other side of the staircase is our living room. Now, this is not a big house, right? Like we have a room or another room in the kitchen over there. But we could see him doing like he at the time he was doing laps around our apartment. He would like go into our bedroom, like our bedroom we had a bedroom, a closet, and a bathroom kind of all connected, and then it was, like, loop into the living room. So he was doing that. That was, like, what he was doing at our old apartment. We were, like, he needs a place to be able to do his laps. And so we found this place, and he, he does it. This is exactly what he does. And so he'll say, Daddy Chase. And literally, this is all that I have to do. I just, like, walk behind him. Maybe a little bit of a brisk walk, or I, like, do the fake run thing that you do when somebody holds the door open for you and you're a long way away and you want to make it look like you're putting in effort, but you're not actually going any faster. Yep. That's everything. <laughs> but that's what I'm doing, and he's, like, loving it, right? And so this is what we'll do at the end of the night. And and it doesn't – and he's, like, oh, this is the best. Like, mm -hmm. Daddy's so fun. And it doesn't – but, like, he'll do it for 25 minutes, 30 minutes. He only stops when I'm, like – all right, I'm, I'm done. But like, even just that, or like something as simple as like, I'll get a couple, I'll get 1500 steps from when it's like, if I'm putting all three kids to bed, like Megan's at a session or something, I'll get 1500 steps from like, all right, time for bed guys to, all right, I'm sitting down on the couch because I finished bedtime. Like with picking up the house and going up and down the stairs three times and four times, five times, because, you know, so-and-so right. needs whatever. And, you know, so you can get some of this just from being a little bit more. It's, it's, it's an intentional piece of like, can I, the parent that I want to be. So this is, I saw this the other day. I'm going to, I'm going to read this. So there's a, uh, a coach that I met in Edmonton when I went to this thing and she, um, She's amazing. Her name's Dal. I should I'll send her this episode and say like, "Hey, I mentioned you at the very end of the thing." Um, but she's amazing. Um, she lost like a hundred pounds. Nice job. Incredible, incredible. And she's like the sweetest, sweetest woman. And she started doing nutrition coaching because this changed her life. But she she posted something the other day, and the way that she worded it, I thought was the best that I had ever seen in terms of like articulating what so many of my clients say. She said, for five years, I watched from the sidelines as a spectator in my children's lives. Hmm. And I know you've you've talked about this, and, and I do want to come back to that, that A and B conversation, which we'll have at some point. But, like, I watched from the sidelines as a spectator in my children's lives. And so many of the parents that I talk to are say something to the extent of, I'm not the mom or the dad that I always imagined that I would be. Mm -hmm. Now, some of this is just the realities of parenting are a lot harder than what we envision them to be. 
and and you can't know that unless you're in it like no there's no way to describe it to anybody like you mm -hmm. cannot you cannot understand what it's like and i could like everybody said it to me right but like you, it didn't matter right like i wasn't gonna mm -hmm. you can't understand it unless you're in it it's like trying to explain the grand canyon to a blind person like you just if you if you've seen the grand canyon Mm -hmm. It's one of the few it's, things in, in the world that like you can't describe how cool it like you you can't undersell the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Like you can say all you want about it, but until you stand there and you see it, you're like, this is better than anybody could have just more unbelievable than anybody could have described. Yep. It's more of what everybody described. Parenting is more of what everybody describes. It's like, take it's what true. you think it is and then dial it up by a hundred times. And it's mm -hmm. that. The, the good is better than anything anybody could describe to you. And the hard is harder than anything anybody could describe to you. Mm -hmm. And so some of that's the case. But some of it also is, can we be as present as we would like to be with them? In that moment, like you ever get on the like the Instagram reel stuff of like parents showing up and the kids like looking for their parents and then seeing their parents in the, in the audience. Right. Like the, and how they like, glow. yeah. And they just they like, go, like, and you just start sobbing mm -hmm. every time or, you know, the parents coming home from, you know, over overseas or whatever overseas. it is, right. Like the showing yeah. up piece of it, the being present mm -hmm. piece of it. This is why I called it the, the fit and pe present parent community, why I originally called my program, the dependable dad program or this podcast, mm -hmm. the dependable dad, because it was like, can, can they count on me mm -hmm. to be there in the way that we want to be? And walking is both the result, but also the mechanism to doing that. It doesn't have to be the explicit walk. It can be as simple as instead of watching you run, I'm going to run with you. Mm -hmm. And they're slow. They're small they're children. <laughs> um, or I'm going to like fake run with you. You know, <laughs> like I'm going to like take steps, but I'm going to be standing. I'm going to be on the floor with you. Like, and again, mm -hmm. this might not track, right? Like, who gives a flying fig Newton if that doesn't track your, your 300 crawling steps while you're, you're crawling around on the floor with your kids. Like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be like, but you right. know, I'm down on the floor with my kids. Like somebody mm -hmm. said, best piece of advice that you can have every day, spend 10 minutes on the floor with your kids. Mm -hmm. Like get on the floor, get on their level, do the thing with them. Like, wrestle around do the thing like be present like it's especially at my kids age it takes like and this is where i'm gonna like forgive me if i get like it takes so little effort to make their day mm -hmm. it takes so little effort to like make their life and so why do i want to do it i got to do this because i have to keep showing up for them. And then also the benefit of doing that is I can keep showing up for them. Right. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a cyclical piece of it. And it's, it's 
the the benefit of doing it. Like something as simple as I'm going to go to the park or the playground and instead, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with, right. This is my only chance for a break. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, listen, I, I have my kids at home a lot and there's times where I'm like, bro, just we're putting on my wife and I talked about this. Like there are times where it's all three kids. And the only time that there's peace is when it's like Bluey's on or Miss Rachel is on like oh, Miss Rachel. the only time that there's peace in the house is when this. And so like, I'm not right. Like you have to navigate, but again, we're looking at out of a full day. If you're normally getting 4,000 steps, can we get 30 more minutes of movement in out of a full mm-hmm. day, even broken up however you want? It can be that that small of like, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to come play with you for a little bit and then you're going to have a turn and I'm going to watch you, but I'm going to come play with you first because I want to be mm-hmm. part of it with you. Like, I'm going to go do this with you, but it's some, like, my mind, like we have this little push car thing, right? That, you know, it's got a handle and the kids sit in it. it's a little car and I'll, and we'll take turns. Like one kid's sitting in it. The other two kids are pushing it with me. Right. So I'm actually pushing it, but they're like, we're doing it too. <laughs> and we're just like going around and it's like, all right, your turn in. And we, they could do that for 45 minutes without hesitation or like, you know, and, and it's some of that stuff. It's like, can I, you can't, you can't under underrate the value of that because there's going to become yeah. a point, and I know that you're you. I'm there. I'm getting where, there. <laughs> where it's it's a little bit harder to to do that, but then mm-hmm. again, the same question that you talked about with your daughter, I remember you said this, of like you walk your daughter to school, yep, or home from school, or, or one of the two, you know, and and she loved it. I remember you said like she was like this was this was so fun, mom, like. Mm-hmm there's those little things that I don't, I don't know if, if there's anything that can replicate that. Mm-hmm. We got to take advantage of it while we can, because the, yeah. there is a, there is an expiration date on the yeah. amount of time that, I mean, our kids are going to want us to be playing with yeah. them, but also that they're going to want to play in general. Yeah. Like most of the time, I mean, it's M is, She's an anomaly in that she wants to be with us all the time. Yeah. Most of her friends have already moved on to the point where they like they've left their parents in the dust. Yeah. So it's, and it's a little different. Really She's an only child sort of thing. But even still, like I have clients that have older kids, right? And so like I have I'll give you another example. I have another client who has an older older kid who is doing sports right now, right? So the, this is the thing. Right? Doing sports right now. So he goes to basketball practice. Now she could drop him off of basketball practice and then leave and then come back and pick him up. Right, which is what mm-hmm. most parents would do to you know with a thirteen year old. She put drops them off, and then she just walks around the basketball park. She's like, "I got an hour, and like, what am I going to accomplish in this hour? I'm going to take twenty minutes to drive exactly. home and twenty minutes to drive back, or I can just stay and yep. and walk for an hour. And um, maybe she didn't do the whole hour, right? But you do a little bit of that, and you can be like, "All right, I'm just going to." Or like you bring your kid to a sporting event, and then they're warming up, right? And they're doing their thing, and you're like, "All right, well, it's twenty minutes until the game starts." I can walk for 20 minutes while they're just doing their warm-ups, you know, and then I can watch the game or whatever it is. Like, can you, in the showing up, can you, can you do this? Because the flip side of this is as you get older, um, you know, my, my mom and my mother-in-law and 
my dad and my my father-in-law right like my favorite it's like i can't i can't describe to you how much my favorite thing is like seeing it's so wild to see my parents interact with my kids my dad to like get down on the floor with my kids my mom to get down on the floor with my kids and my mom will say she's like i'm your kid's toy like when they come to my house like we take out the toys but they just want to play with me she's like i get like thirteen thousand steps just chasing them around my mom's in her she just turned 62 63 i forget what she it was just this past week like the stakes are high and and mm-hmm. it's it's tough to put the so like they're like I got to be able to do this for the long term like mm-hmm. and you know it's it's hard to think about like all right thirty years from now my kids have kids like but you know you can't you can't put it back in the thing so mm-hmm. yeah certainly for fat loss walking is is king of the hill here um, in terms of your movement. Um, try to get a little bit more in, but for overall health and, and everything else, like it's worth it's worth trying for. But um, it's like the whole moving keeps you moving. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And uh, like, listen, I'll 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 leave it with a couple last things. Uh, people that you can uh, walk for. There's a name guy named Dean Guido. Um, his Instagram is uh, Walk More King with a couple, I think dots in between um, those. He talks a lot about this. He's big into the like the walking a lot and rucking and and I'm kind of again like listen if you're gonna go for a walk do you need to put a backpack on? Is it making all that big of a difference? No, not, not all that much. Is it well, something? Sure. Snacks for the kids. Yeah, like if you want to do it, great. But like again, are we are we moving the needle all that much? Like no, just go walk. Like just just go walk. Um, but he's a big proponent of, of, of that, that side of it. Like, listen, can you, can you increase your movement and give yourself a lot more freedom on the, on the calorie side of things? Like if you're having a hard time losing fat, like maybe look at, look at your walking. Like sometimes it's easier to do that than to cut your calories more. Like, would you rather walk for 20 more minutes and eat an extra, you know, 150 calories or something like that? Like, I don't know. Maybe that's, that's the answer. Um, but, yeah, we got a little got a little serious there at the end. It really did. Yeah. I've yeah. got to go take a walk just to get my mood boosted. <laughs> Sorry, friends. Um, but I hope that this was valuable to you. Uh, I'm excited to dig in next week to strength training and then to cardio as mm. well. Again, both of those play a, a big role in, in the fat loss equation. Um, but if you were... Oh, I didn't tell this story. Balderdash. Um, all right, last story, and then we're going to finish. All right, I'm going to finish with this story. The reason why walking, all right, super valuable. I have a client. Her name is Danielle. Um, I have many clients um, but uh, who've had this story, but similar story. All right. Gosh, this is going wicked long. Sorry. This is valuable. Two, two of my best, like, quote, unquote, best, right, like, transformation photos, before and afters. Uh, that I've I've ever posted are uh, mom named Dan- mom named Danielle and a, a dad named Sean. Um, both of them had injuries very early on in our time of working together. Danielle before we even started, Sean about two weeks in, and they were not able to work out certainly to the way that they would normally. Uh, Danielle had like a back thing, and Sean had like shattered his elbow, right? And so they were able to. You know, Danielle couldn't really move a lot, but she did nutrition and walking 
she was able to walk. And she lost 18 pounds, 12 weeks with a surgery in there. Sean lost about the same and like got six pack abs and mm-hmm. like couldn't really work out. So, but he, they both just nutrition and walking. So you can absolutely lose body fat without explicit workouts. Um, so if you're like, I don't know, I have time to get to the gym. Like I have a client currently who is in this process of like, she's got, uh, you know, she's got a little bit of a journey ahead of her and she's never really worked out before. So I wasn't going to start her off. Like she doesn't really move much. I'm like, I'm not going to start you off with like a three day a week workout split. So she's just been walking. We've just been increasing her walking and working on her nutrition and she's lost seven pounds in seven weeks. Nice job. Just by walking more and, and making, and she's got ways to go with her, her walking and her nutrition. Like she's, she's gone from, you know, it was like 2000 steps to 4,000 steps. Like, it's not like she's at 7,000, just the increasing of the side of things can make a huge difference. And so moving the needle on the walking side of things can make a big, big difference in terms of your Mm -hmm. overall progress. So go out and walk. I'm ready. I'm going to go pick him up at school, but I'm going to leave early so I get a couple of extra blocks in there. All right, squad. We'll see you back here for part six next time. Thanks so much for listening. And um, thank you. Chat with you soon.